Welcome, everybody. I see a few new faces. How many people are, came tonight uh, just because of the topic? Maybe you didn't usually come. Don't be bashful. <laughs> All right. It's a provocative topic. That's good. Um, so we are going to... Uh, we're going to dig in here in a little bit. I'm Pastor Skip. If you don't know me, you should um, by now. You should be sick of me by now, but no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I actually have the pleasure of, of Sam joining me tonight. Most of you have, have met Sam because he's running the show out there and getting you all checked in and uh, loving on you and all that good stuff. So, um, But he's going to join me for the teaching tonight. And so... I'm looking forward to that. We're gonna um, we'll get started in just a minute. I wanted to talk about a couple of uh, just quick things about how I see the evening going. One, um, we'll have uh, a, basically I'm gonna position why the topic is important and where evil comes from, those sort of things at the outset before. Before we look at any passages, break you into groups. If you've been here, you know that usually we have you look at a passage and answer some questions in small groups. Then we come back together and we do a teaching. So we'll do a little bit of that, but first I want to lay some groundwork. Uh, secondly, um, because of the nature of the topic, we have a, there's a real possibility of taking a rabbit trail <laughs> and getting off topic. So... Um, I'll try as best as I can, and Sam as well, to answer your questions, but if it's going to take us too far afield of where we want to go, we may table it and just say, can you ask us after, or we'll try to answer, or maybe we'll just have a big session at the end of Q&A for those that want to stick around. Um, so those are sort of the, the, the ground rules for tonight. I will say this. We're going to talk about um, things that don't, we don't discuss a lot but are important. Um, the fact that there is an enemy, and uh, it's a spiritual enemy, and that there are things that happen to us in the spiritual realm. Obviously, as the Bible says, we all see through a glass dimly. And uh, we're not, none of us are actually seeing what's really going on when we're seeing something. We see with natural eyes, and we are far more spiritual than natural. Uh, your spiritual side will live forever. Your natural side, if you're lucky, is going to live maybe 100 years. So um, uh, the real you, the things that happen in the invisible realm, the things that you don't perceive with your eyes, uh, is far more the reality of what the world is about. And so um, when we dig into a topic like this, there's some people who want to shy away and, and say, I, you know, the devil, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't even want to know about it. Don't talk to me. Um, and there's other people who start drooling. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they start rubbing their hands together. And um, probably neither one of those uh, responses is the correct response. Um, there needs to be a healthy balance. The reason we're talking about it is because it's a reality. You need to know about it. If, you're gonna, if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you are going to have to learn to fight the good fight in the spiritual realm. And that's a reality. 
because just because you don't want to fight doesn't mean the devil doesn't. Uh, you, you are not immune because you choose to be passive. Um, that, that doesn't, the devil's just not going to go away and say, oh, well, they don't really want to fight. I guess I won't fight with them. Uh, you probably get picked on all the more. So what I'm trying to say is you need to know what we're going to talk about tonight, but also there's a, a balance in what we're going to talk about tonight. And I think it was um, C.S. Lewis in a book called Screwtape Letters um, who said, he said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which um, our race can fall about, devil, about the devil, okay? So he's saying in this book, it's called the Screwtape Letters because there's these demons that pl plot the demise of their enemy, which is humans. And they have these conversations about how they're going to get at the human, the enemy. And it's, it's a very interesting and enlightening book on how spiritual warfare works. Um, but he's saying there's a couple errors that we, the human race, falls into about them. This is a, a, a demon talking. He's saying one is to disbelieve in our existence, and the other is to believe and yet feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in us. They themselves are... Uh, we are equally pleased with both heirs, and we hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Okay? So that is my um, fine print before we get started on this thing. Don't, first of all, you need to know this stuff so that you can fight the good fight, but you also don't want to get overly excessively so enraptured with the things of um, uh, spiritual darkness that it consumes you and takes your, your eyes off what you're really trying to be, which is Christ-like. And the fact of the matter is, there will be far more spiritual battle, battles won by living a virtuous and godly life than by any sort of casting out of demons, prayer, or, um, you know, whatever you want to, you know, call that deliverance, all right? Your, how you live is, is, is how you really fight the good fight. And so the goal here is not to get our eyes on the enemy. The goal here is to get our eyes on Jesus, all right? So I, that's, that's my, my fine print, my little... Uh, word of warning to you, we're not, we're not doing this so that we can somehow make the enemy larger. We're doing this so Christ will be larger in our lives and diminish some of the enemy's uh, ability to sort of lie to us. Okay? Does that make sense? Everybody tracking? Anyone? Any questions so far? All right. Um, so you should all have a piece of paper with um, scriptures on it and on the back. Um, there's like five or six scriptures listed. Do you have that piece? Can I? I don't. Um, Carlos, <laughs> I'll, I'll can you give me one? Or, um, Thank you. All right. So on the back, I gave you references for the origins of evil. Um, Revelations 12, 7 through 9. Um, these are going to be for you to sort of take home and look up if you want to. Um, 
but I'm going to just quickly run through all this stuff, all right? Between these four verses, um, it's basically where most theologians and scholars have developed their theology of evil and how it comes into the world. Now, there are differences of opinion. If you, when you go home and read these verses, they're going to be very sort of um, uh, esoteric. They're, they're, not gonna, they're vague, and it's, it's a little difficult to understand. But the, the bulk or the gist of what all four verses, when you put them together and overlay them, means is that there was uh, Lucifer in heaven who was God's sort of second-in-command, um, he, it says, the Bible says he was, he was beautiful and that people, you know, the, uh, the angels um, uh, were drawn to him. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, let's see. Um, it says, the workmanship of your timbrels, we're talking about Lucifer now, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub, the anointed uh, angel who covers, and I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God, and you walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty, and you were corrupted um, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And you take that along with Revelations, which talked about a war breaking out in heaven and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and, and um, uh, them. Uh, and the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole world, was cast to the earth and his angels were cast around him. Jude talks about a third of the angels being cast into everlasting darkness and judgment. With him, Ezekiel, passage I just read, uh, which describes him. Um, all of these, when you, when you put them together, okay, now, what I'm going to say here, some of it's conjecture, okay, because we don't know for sure. But when you put them all together, most people think that Satan was like the worship leader in heaven because he, you know, he had these instruments and um, he was the anointed one and he had the timbrel and all these things. And what he tried to do was instead of leading worship um, that, gave, that ascribed worth to God, he tried to receive the worship for himself. He became filled with pride he wanted to be the one that was everyone adored and loved. And as you read these passages, it makes pretty good sense. Okay? Now, I can't dogmatically say that he was the worship leader in heaven, but I can tell you that it, we know this much. He was a big shot in heaven. And a third of the angels followed him into this everlasting destruction. So he had some influence. Um, and God cast uh, Lucifer... Satan down and for whatever reason uh, it's in this realm of the earth that he has dominion. He was given uh, some dominion but Adam and Eve had, um, had the, the full authority of this world until they gave it up by eating of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Satan usurped that authority and he now has some influence here. Jesus came uh, 
and it says that he, you know, he crushed the head of the serpent, that he was victorious over evil, and now it's just a waiting game until uh, everlasting judgment. Read the last book, Revelations. Jesus is going to come and throw them all in the lake of fire, and, um, and that'll be that. So that is where we get our sort of theology of the devil and the evil and the origin of evil and all that. I gave you those scriptures, so if you are interested, you can look them up. They are interesting. You have to kind of read all of them to sort of get a picture of what's going on. But basically what I said is a pretty good, you know, general, um, a general working knowledge of, of what's going on. So we have, we have a third of the angels who live in darkness. And we have, um, but that also leaves angels who live in the light, right? And so when we're talking about spiritual warfare, it is not us versus just the devil, it, it, you know, you, there are people on your side as well. That's the good news, all right? And we'll talk about that as well tonight. Um, you're not in this alone. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Um, uh, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Um, you are not, you, you're not left to, to fight a fight you can't win. The, actually, it's already won, okay? It's already been won. The fact is you just have to kind of live in the victory. But you have to learn how to decipher when you're being lied to and when it's, it's um, the Lord's voice. Because we all, again, see through glass dimly, and none of us is immune to deception. And the problem with deception is you don't know you're being deceived. You think it's truth. And we've all been deceived at times. So um, the Bible is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Word of God is truth. Um, and so when we start exposing things to truth, we find, uh, we find uh, our ability to fight the good fight. All right, so here's what we're going to do. That gives you a general working knowledge of the origin of evil. Sam has picked out a couple passages he wants you to look at and answer a couple small group questions. Then we're going to come back and we're going to have a teaching on really how to apply this. How do we fight the good fight? What is spiritual warfare? What does it look like? How does that play out in our everyday lives? And, um, and it's going to be a little bit different for all of us. It, 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 you have to kind of find your, um, your gifts and your own ability to do this, but we'll, we'll kind of flesh that out as we go tonight. I will say this. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to... Um, 1 Peter 5.8. Can I ask a question? Sure. So, uh, Lucifer and Satan, they're the same? Interchangeable yeah. name, Interchangeable. yeah. Interchangeable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and the question was, for the sake of people listening on the podcast and the tape, is Lucifer and Satan the same thing? Yes. Both names are used for... Um, this angel uh, that was fallen from heaven. And um, I will give you a glossary of terms at the end of the night that has both terms in there and where they come from. Um, and if you need it before the end of the night, you can go get it. But um, I was kind of saving it for the end, but it's all right. <laughs> um, but they are interchangeable terms. Okay, good question. 
All right, 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist, Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered for a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Um, In the New Living Translation, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So the fact of the matter is, and I mentioned this earlier, you are in this fight whether you want to be in it or not. And I think if you were to really honestly take a you know, show of hands and say who really wants to be in the fight, probably none of us do. It's not like we want to be in it, but you will be in it whether you decide to uh, engage it or not. So the question really is not whether you're going to be in spiritual warfare. The question is going to be, are you going to win? <laughs> and how do you fight it and fight well? Uh, because if you take a passive approach that says, I'm just going to ignore it, maybe the problem will go away, then you will lose. Okay? The Bible tells you, you have an enemy who wants to ruin and destroy and your life. Okay? Now, that's, I'm not saying that to get you frightened, because, again, Jesus Christ was victorious over this enemy, And we just have to hold on to that promise and learn how to live in it. But the fact of the matter is, it's important for you to understand that not every door that comes your way that swings wide open and says, look, here's a great opportunity for you, is from the Lord. And discerning what opportunities are from God and what opportunities are not is part of learning how to um, be victorious as a follower of Jesus Christ, okay? So um, I hope uh, you, you guys have the foundation now to really sort of tackle the topic, and then we'll come back and discuss it afterwards. So Sam, do you want to sure. have anything to say? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, nothing to add to that, I guess. Do you want me to lead into that? Okay, yeah, okay. go ahead. All right, so um, I guess as with any situation, uh, when we're trying to figure out how best to approach it, it's always good to look at, um, at what Jesus did. And so, uh, on your handout, you'll see the, the scripture we're going to look at is Matthew 4, uh, 1 through 11. And there's some discussion questions for, uh, that we're going to kind of mull over a little bit as well that'll uh, lead into our conversation from there on. Um, so, we're going to ask you all to break into groups of probably four to seven. And if you want to just, as you're doing so, kind of look around you, make sure everyone's included in the group kind of thing. And uh, split into additional groups if you need to to accommodate more people. And we have tables set up in there. You can stay in here as well. And uh, we'll give you guys... Uh, Ten minutes or so. We'll, we'll we'll come back at eight. So if you need to, uh, you know, if your group goes for twenty minutes, uh, then we'll have maybe a five minute break. We'll come back around eight eight oh five, and uh, and then we'll get into the teaching. Um, so just kind of want to get a little bit of uh, feedback from you all as you process through uh, just some of your answers. Uh, so let's start with the first one. Uh, how did the devil attack Jesus? Feel free to. Nobody wants. So, to what, what did uh, what, were, what was his method of attack? He used scripture. He used scripture at one point. Yeah. 
He, yeah, he utilized Jesus' hung, physical hunger. Um, my answer to that question is um, because he caused doubt. Tried to cause doubt? By using the word if, instead of using the word since. Like, rather than saying since you are the son of God, mm. he said if you are the son of God. So that's like casting doubt. Sure. Challenge, challenging who he said he was or who he's identifying as. All right, so um, we basically hit them all there. Uh, so, yeah, the first one... Oh, I'm sorry, Brendan. He also tempted him to break his fast. To break his fast before the time. Um, yeah, so Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and obviously was very hungry. Um, and so he tempted him physically uh, with bread. Um, somewhat ironic that Jesus would later say that you know, he was the bread of life. And, uh, um, but Jesus comes back with... Or actually, I don't want to answer the next question. Um, <laughs> save it, save, save it. it. I'll save it. Right. Um, but there's some interesting things that came out in, in how the devil attacks. Uh, so one being the bread, um, which Jesus later identifies himself as the bread of life. Um, secondly, uh, so as, as he takes him to the highest point and, and asks him to, or says, jump off and prove who you are, um, you know, basically, yeah, Jesus says that we're not, not to tempt God. And kind of challenging him with, with pride and different things. Um, like, yeah, there. And then the third one, uh, you know, offering him the kingdoms of, of, of the world. Um, and the Bible actually says that, you know, God decides who will lead and that kind of stuff, puts people into power and that kind of stuff. So that wasn't even the devil's to, to give out. So he, he manipulated scripture. Oh, and, and the scripture that the devil counters with. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. Because if you look at Psalms 91, which is, I put the little note in there that that's what it is. Did anyone turn to that when you guys were talking about it? Um, well, I'll actually point out kind of what I, what I have here. So, so the devil basically says, um, up to the point where he says, uh, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And then he leaves out the part um, that's somewhat ironic as well. Um, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra you will trample the great lion and the serpent. And two of the metaphors used for the, um, for the devil are actually a lion. The enemy prowls like a lion looking for whom to devour and the serpent. So um, had he continued the verse that he's using to, to tempt Jesus, basically, he would have basically kind of almost prophesied his own defeat. Um, so it's kind of an, something I'd never noticed before until I started digging into this. So kind of a neat thing there as well. All right, so uh, any questions with that one? He always leaves off the end, doesn't he? What's that? <laughs> the devil always leaves yeah. off the end. Don't, he doesn't like that part. Yeah. In the garden where God said that Jesus would crush the head of Satan. Of the serpent. Yep. Yeah. Of the serpent, yeah. Mm. Very similar, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that could be a big part of it. <laughs> Um, all right, so number two. So how did Jesus respond to each attack? Pretty straightforward here. Yes? Yeah, so he, he would come back with truth, with, his, with the scripture. All right, and um, so how should we, noting how Jesus was attacked, how should we expect the devil to, to come against us or attack us? Yeah, Matthias? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and those three correlate to the three temptations he gives to Jesus as mm -hmm. well. Um, 
the eyes, the flesh, and the pride. Those are the three areas he tries to tempt him in. So you're right. All right. Bless the. Yeah. First John two sixteen is lust of the, uh, the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And what was that? Something else. So yeah, I mean, basically, like um, he tried to provoke pride in Jesus by you know questioning his identity. Um, so that's something that often will come up with us too. Oh, I, I don't need to you know, stay away from that, or um, that's not something I struggle with, so it's it's not an issue for me, um, and things like that as well. And also, worldly distractions or pursuits are often things that um, will come into opportunities, as Pastor Skip said, that maybe a door flies wide open, and it's something that we've we've been wanting, um, but but it may be outside everything else. It looks too good to be true, kind of thing. Um, and there's always the old adage that if it looks too good to be true, you know, it probably is. Um, not always, but it's always good to weigh it with counsel and scripture and all of those things as well. Um, and then the fourth question So, what can we do defen- to defensively prepare, knowing how the devil attacked and how Jesus defended himself? Yeah, Brenda? Uh, no God's words. No God's words, yeah. So. Yep. So know God's word, um, be prayer, in prayerful communication with God, and have brothers and sisters that can support you. Have community. Uh, uh, worship. Test. Test. Uh, and that's good, and it it, it's ac- it actually leads me to something that I, I probably should have mentioned at the outset. But if you if you do read the Lord's Prayer, which is, you know, basically they said Jesus teaches to pray, and Jesus gave him the Lord's Prayer as a model, not to you know to have rotely, you know, recite daily, you know, for every prayer. That's how I pray every prayer. That's not the meaning behind it. It's and it. it an example, but it's also a very valuable prayer as well. So when it's done with the heart. But here's the deal. If Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as a model, and in it he says, pray that you would be delivered from evil. Deliver us from evil. Then that tells you something about the reality of spiritual warfare. You know, if even Jesus is saying, look, here's, you want to know how to pray? Part of what you need to be praying for is deliver me from evil. Um, and so it, it's even, even there, it's there. So that's a good, that was a good point. Thank you. Yeah. Um, can I say something else? Uh, yeah. In addition to, to that? Yeah. Is it a question? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I'll, 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 I got back to my question. <laughs> 
Yep, and, and we'll talk about the power of Jesus' name in a little bit, too. Okay, yep, okay, yep. Okay. So, but a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no worries. All right. <laughs> Lots of good stuff here. I know we're excited to get there. Yeah. Yeah, being ready is, is important. And, and when we'll, we'll look at the armor of God, and um, that's one of the, the boots of readiness is one way it's described. Yeah. Yeah, so fleeing from temptation is important as well. No, there's not enough time really to go into all of that. So We could we have easily done an entire summer series on just <laughs> spiritual warfare. Um, so we're trying to pack it into one night. If we were realizing we're in battle for the first time, like what are the most essential things to kind of take with you? And then we'll, we'll actually... Um, this might be a good time to plug, too. Um, for those of you that have heard of Cleansing Streams and even those that haven't, um, we'll be, that's an opportunity coming up in the fall uh, that will meet Wednesday nights, actually, and we'll dig into a lot more of kind of the, the foundational things that we, it's really good to know as a Christian just for your daily life, um, tools that are available to you in the Spirit and of the Lord um, just to equip you uh, as you grow. And so it's a, it's a really, really valuable thing. We'll have, we have an informational meeting, a couple informational meetings in August about it. So you'll see information go up in the C5. Um, but basically just to better equip you so you feel confident um, when you pray in Jesus' name uh, and um, you just have a better idea of what's going on and why that's so effective as well. So we'll cover it real briefly tonight, but th- that's another opportunity to really dig into this subject and, and just feel more equipped as a believer. talking about here, we're talking about, you know, light versus dark, and so anytime you invite the light into areas of darkness, you're going to have, um, you know, you're going to have some, some victory, so it is important to invite the Lord into to every situation, and uh, the more, you know, the Bible talks about darkness can't, um, you know, can't, it can't hang around with light. Light wins, right? If the room is dark and you turn on the light, light wins. Darkness is gone. So the more you flood your life with light, which is truth, and um, the light of Jesus, the more those dark places get scattered. Me? Yep. All right. So let's um, look at a couple of passages. We're going to quickly look at Ephesians 6.10. Most of you have, um, well... Many of you probably have read um, the, the scripture about the armor of God. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I'm going to use it as a jumping off place to go somewhere else. So if you turn to Ephesians 6.10.10. 10. Starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, and later on it lists all those, those elements, which is a good way to um, uh, fight the good fight. 
And it says, um, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now here's the key. We do not battle or we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Okay? So, where's the true fight? It's in the spiritual realm. Sometimes we get confused. We hate people who are being deceived by dark spirits. But that's not, you know, God would say, look, you're supposed to love the person. Hate, hate the deception. Hate the spirit that's behind it. You wrestle against those things. But the person himself or herself is not the enemy. Okay? The real enemy is in the spiritual realm. Okay, now turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Starting in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for what? Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive, into the obedience of Christ. Okay? In, in verse... Uh, uh, in uh, the NLT, I'll read it in a different version. Uh, we're human, but we don't wage war as human beings do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. All right, if you take these two verses together, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers of darkness, okay? And um, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war against the, in the flesh. We war in the spirit. We begin to see that a lot of spiritual warfare takes place in the battlefield of our thoughts. Okay? Bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ Jesus. Is everybody still with me? Okay. Um, so, how do we do that? How do you bring thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ Jesus? How do you fight... Um, the lies of the evil one. Okay? That's really where the, the war is fought. I'm, I'm, I am uh, asking a um, question that I don't really want you to answer. <laughs> um, Seven. Uh, so... Yes, you may answer. <laughs> You may answer in your mind. <laughs> I give you permission to answer that in your mind. Um, this, is, this is where spiritual warfare is lived out in real practical and applicable terms. You know, it's very easy to get into this topic, start thinking about, you know, i got to just cast out. What we need to do is get, you know, 
20 Christians together and we're, we're going to cast out the devil. And you get so infatuated with the thing that you forget that what it, where the real battle is fought is in the everyday little thoughts we have and taking them captive and fighting them. I can't tell you as a pastor how many new Christians just they just struggle to believe that they are really forgiven. Right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm forgiven. Sure, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. But then they keep going around beating themselves up. You know? I'm stupid. I'll never amount to anything. With those people, they don't know the real me. They have no idea what's really going on inside of me. If they knew, they'd say, get out of here. You don't belong. I'm never going to amount to anything. How am I ever going to really be a, a Christian? This is just, why don't you just give it up? Just quit. It, it's useless. You won't amount to anything. Those are the lies from the pit of hell that we struggle with all the time. All right? Truth, truth, bringing thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ Jesus is yeah, okay, I am a sinner. So is everyone else. We're all sinners, but I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. I am white as snow. Though my sins be like scarlet, they will be cleansed. They'll be white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far my transgressions have been removed from me. The Lord says, into the depths of the sea I will cast your sins. I will remember them no more. If you are faith, if you are confess your sins... God is faithful to forgive you his, your sins and cleanse you completely of all unrighteousness. Once you begin to get scripture in you, you have the weapon to fight the spiritual battle. When you hear the lie, you are useless. You will never amount to anything. You say, you know what? Scripture says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I... That there is no shame, there is no guilt that hasn't already been paid for on the cross. And even though I might deserve that, it's not what I get from the Lord. What I get is cleansed and I don't even have to pay the penalty of shame or guilt. All I have to do is walk in it. And so that's truth, fighting the lies. That is why it is very important to begin to understand your Bible, start some sort of reading program or some sort of start study program where you begin to get the word in you. Because what did Jesus do in all three of those instances? He used scripture. He used scripture. And so the, the devil tried to twist things, make subtle changes to scripture, lie, deceive, right? The, the, that old serpent, the liar of old, the deceiver. That's what the, that's what the Bible calls him. That's all he, he, that's all he deals in. And there's an old saying that, um, that Pastor Terry's grandfather used to use. Now, I didn't know his grandfather, but I get it because I know Pastor Terry. Um, he says, the devil is a poor paymaster because he will... He will, come on, you know you want to do that. You should, it, what's it going to hurt? 
come on, nobody's even going to know. It's not going to matter. In the home. And then as soon as you do it, oh, you scumbag. <laughs> Give it up. Kill yourself. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it would be funny if it wasn't really funny because, you know, it's serious. And people get buy into those lies. And that, that's the deal. That's what you get. That is, that's the payment for listening to him. Is he's going to heap on condemnation on top of your already, you know, already uh, abused <laughs> uh, psyche. And so the fight is in the mind. The earlier you, you get at things, the less stronghold they're going to have on you. you if you wait, uh, you know, if you're struggling with, um, and I'll just be real, if you're struggling with something like pornography and you start watching R-rated movies that have things in them that, you know, you shouldn't be watching, you are, odds are you are not going to win that fight. You need to win the fight when it's at the beginning when you say, the lie is that movie's not going to really hurt you. It's not too bad. There's only a little bit of, uh, you know, mild. You know, come on, everybody else watch it. That's the, that's the lie that needs to be addressed. That's when you can win the fight, I'm telling you. That's when you win the fight, when you just go, no, you know. Um, and you just go, no, I, I know where this goes. I know where this goes. And so I, I'm, I, I refuse to buy into that lie right now. And that's the same thing when you hear, um, I won't amount to anything. You know, you need to counter that. And I will speak things out because you know what the Bible says? It says words have the power of life and death. And I will speak things out. I will speak life on things. If somebody curses me, you know, they don't like my driving or something, and they give me a funny hand signal, <laughs> I, will, I will counter that with life. Lord, bless them. Praise you, Lord. Because the, those things, where's the, where's the battle? In the spirit. And all that cursing and everything is just life-giving to, to darkness. And I want to counter that with words of life on light, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. What I find is working for me a lot is when I encounter something that tempts me that I know is not good for me. Yeah. Just saying no is one thing, obviously. But, uh, the temptation to keep coming and no gets weaker and weaker. Right. Right. What, what the end is going to be. How, how low can I get? Then I have the strength to know I don't want to go here. Right. Mm. Right. Right. That's good. Um, and so there's lies about your identity in Christ. Uh, you're not really a Christian, won't amount to anything. There are lies about, um, you know, your rights. That person, you know, what they did is, is wrong. That, that was so wrong. You, you don't need to forgive them. 
they deserve judgment. And the Bible says, be careful uh, that you judge somebody because whatever you, if you want to start being the judge and jury and you judge someone, by the same measuring stick, you're going to get judged. And you're not going to measure up. You know, there's some scary scriptures about, you know, if you decide not to forgive, um, well, you don't necessarily, you're not forgiven either. So be careful. And the Bible talks about, and a lot of people struggle with this because the Bible talks about the root of bitterness, all right? In Hebrews, um, I can't remember where in Hebrews, I think... I don't have it written down, but in Hebrews, um, be careful that a, a, a root of bitterness uh, doesn't get in you, because by it many are defiled. That's why in Ephesians 4 it says, you know what, don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't let a root of bitterness start to creep in. By it many are defiled. Okay? Start to poison your heart. And the real person that's getting hurt is not the person you think is getting hurt. The person you, th- you think you're hurting by holding on to that, it doesn't probably even know that you're holding on to it. The only person that, that's getting um, penalized is you. Now, I understand, uh, and I have been through some things in my life that are extremely, extremely difficult to forgive. Uh, somebody hurts you at the deepest level, maybe uh, a relationship, that person did not honor you. Um, there are things that I couldn't even imagine that could happen to my children. And how, how, you know, how do you forgive, you know? But the question isn't really you know, whether or not uh, it's going to be easy. The question is whether or not you're going to put in the work because it's easier just to say, I don't really want to forgive and I'll just leave it at that. And what happens is the root of bitterness gets in you, you get consumed. You're the person who gets hurt. Your soul gets poisoned. And so... Um, it may be something that, you know, uh, you know, a father or mother or something, some of those wounds go deep. But you need to get it out of you. You need to get it out of you. And it might take years. And Jesus said, you know what, you don't forgive just, you know, three times. You forgive seven times 70, which wasn't really, you know, 490. It meant forever. Uh, it meant unlimited amount of time. You forgive until it's actually forgiven. And sometimes when you think it's forgiven, it may come back and you have to do it all over again. And I've been there too, um, where you work for years to get, get past something. You think it's all gone, then you see that person again and all of a sudden uh, the scar that you thought was healed begins to fester and um, get infected again. And... You have to go to work all over again. So that's an, another lie that, you know, you don't have to work at things or you don't have to forgive or whatever. You, just, you know, if I just don't talk to that person or I just don't do anything, it'll be fine. But you still have to. In your heart, you're going to have to let it go. 
Um, one, another thing, uh, the Bible says that um, through everything, by everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and what? The peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Sometimes the lie is, don't bother God with it. I don't, I don't need to bring this to him. Um, it's unimportant. It's too little. Or I brought this upon myself, so how can I go to God? But the fact of the matter is, if you want the peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and mind, you've got to bring things to the Lord. No matter how trivial or whether or not we you know, brought it upon ourselves, doesn't really matter. Fact is, it needs to get out in the open. And God knows it. He's just waiting for us to come and bring it to him and say, can you help me with this? Right. 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 The battle's not against flesh and blood. So this is all being fought in the spirit. These little thoughts, the little nudgings, the little things, don't worry about that. Ah, that doesn't matter that much. That doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that um, some of us will struggle with that more than others. Everyone's got their own little weak areas. Some people struggle with um, really believing that you're forgiven. Some people um, have a subtle form of pride going, which is called false humility, where they want to sort of walk in the the... They want to sort of walk in this stuff and go, woe is me, you know, I really blew it. And blow it. So way, it, it's still, it's, it's a form of pride because it's still bringing the attention to you rather than the Lord. Um, you know, and so I, I meet people that, you know, that they, all they do is all day long they confess stuff, you know. But the, the, the point of it isn't really getting the Lord into it. The point of it is to bring attention to themselves like, they're humble or there's humility in it. And so, um, yeah, the whole, some of, like I said, everyone's going to struggle in different areas. Some of you got to just believe that you're forgiven. Get out some of those scriptures that say you are washed white as snow. You have direct access to the throne room of God, not because you deserve it, but because Jesus washed you white as snow. You are now like Adam and Eve in the garden where you are sinless and you can actually talk to the Father. You don't need a priest or an intermediary to do that for you because you have been cleansed. The veil of the curtain has been torn in two. You have direct access to the Holy of Holies. And you go there based on what Jesus did. And you say, I am cleansed and white as snow. And the devil says, you know what? You're a sinner. You say, yes, I am. Thank you, Lord, for washing me white as snow. I, yeah, I didn't deserve it. So when the devil tries to, you know, give you that thing, you, you sinner, you know, okay. Okay, but that's what the cross is for. That's what the cross is for. 
And so I'm forgiven. So you, some of us need to just walk in that um, and believe it. Some of us want to, you know, some of us want to pay our own penalty, um, which is a works thing. Uh, the Bible says, you, you know, you can never earn or merit anything by works. Okay? Salvation is the gift of God, is of grace. Is, it is not by works so that no man can boast. So even sort of just saying, I am going to beat myself up because I sinned today is a work. It is trying to take the penalty that Jesus paid for on the cross. And you can't do that. If you could, he wouldn't have had to come save us. So learning to sort of live in that and not beat our own selves up, but realize that our sin is what killed him, our sin is what got him killed. Fortunately, he was sinless, rose from the dead, victorious over sin, and uh, paid the price for us. But, um, but I don't have to pay the price again. It was paid for on the cross, including the guilt, the shame, and the beating up. Okay. Did I answer your question? I hope so. Okay. Um, Sam. Yes. You got anything? Um, I guess just a couple things. Um, I guess briefly to touch on the, the power of Jesus' name. Um, so we're told in uh, Philippians 2, 9, 11, uh, it says, Therefore God elevated him to a place of highest honor uh, and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, so there's, there's power in Jesus' name. He has a name that basically will, every knee will bow to. And um, we see there's actually a, a verse that I was kind of looking over, considering kind of teaching from as well, in Acts. Uh, Acts about the seven sons of a priest uh, named Sceva who were going around uh, basically uh, get, kicking out demons in Jesus' name. And, and um, they basically were kicking him out in, in the name of Jesus, who Paul knows, is kind of how they were saying it, because um, they had no intimate knowledge of Jesus, and it actually worked uh, several times. Um, but eventually, they came to a point where they tried to um, cast out a demon in Jesus, in, in Jesus, who Paul knows his name, um, and the demon is like, I know Jesus, and I know who Paul is, but I don't know who you are. <laughs> and, and basically, they leave battered and, and bleeding kind of thing, like the, <clears throat> the demon-possessed person basically beats him up. Um, because they're trying to use two degrees of separation, and Jesus wants to have that direct relationship with you, and, and that's where the power is. Um, that's where your, your weapon is. And so, um, kind of a long way around, but um, basically, you know, we do have, uh, as Pastor Skip said, 99% of the battle is fought in the little things. Um, there are things that we do by entertaining things too long, um, by allowing access to um, the works of the enemy that strongholds or footholds develop. And that's ultimately where the access points that, that linger, that we start seeing kind of ongoing struggles and that kind of stuff. A lot of it comes from that. And that's where more of the kind of um, casting out and that kind of stuff will happen. But again, that's a very small percentage of the, the spiritual warfare. And again, another, and I'm not trying to plug this too much, but another selling point of cleansing streams is that if you are experiencing any of that stuff, it's a very pointed opportunity to go through and just take inventory of, of where things are at in your life, um, things even from past generations and the Bible talks about 
um, things from generational, gener curses. Gener generational curses, basically, is what how it's referred yeah, to. Yes, so the sins of the, uh, are, are visited down to the you know, third generation, basically. And so sometimes, you know, um, I know in my family, almost everyone, you know, in my family is an alcoholic. And, um, you know, they, the world will say, well, it's genetic or whatever. And I don't think so. I think it's generational bondage. It's a spirit. It's been on the, the Murphy clan. And so sometimes you've got to, you know, come at that thing. And, um, and, and there's things like witchcraft, too, where um, people may have been involved in that in your past that you don't know about and different stuff like that, where um, the access points of the enemy, enemy because of that um, are heightened, too. Especially in San Francisco, there's a lot of that stuff. Um, and so there's a lot of things that we don't have time to get into tonight. Um, there's a lot of benefit in learning about and, and then um, you know, approaching God to see if it's something that there may be generational issues in your family um, and kind of digging to it in a very intentional way. Yeah. And so, again, like I'm, not trying, I'm not hired by Cleansing Stream to promote it. It's something <laughs> I, I very much, I've, I've, had, I've experienced freedom through and um, I'm excited to be a part of bringing that back to Cornerstone. It's something we've done for years and a lot of people, um, probably many people in, in the audience here um, can attest to uh, their experiences there as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I, I highly recommend, if you haven't been through it, that you go through it. It, it, gives, um, it is a ministry that I have found uh, is very balanced. For somebody that calls himself a deliverance ministry, it's a very balanced approach where it's actually just taking self-inventory and begin to how well am I living uh, approach to getting cleansed of the residue of the world that's been maybe on you or in your family for generations. And so that's what I like about it. It's very approachable. You, you wouldn't even know it was a deliverance ministry unless it, it told you that in the title because it really has to do with getting your life cleaned up best you can. So I, I recommend it as well. So, yeah, Catherine. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. Um, right. But and, and it's not that they weren't allowed to speak his name. It's it's that you know who Jesus was in the lives of those who um, you know when Jesus' disciples and apostles went around um, you know basically doing the same thing. Like they were speaking in his name because he he said like ask anything in my name and it will be given unto you like. Um, you know, with the caveat that it's something of righteous, righteous and of God, and um, so that he was, they were proclaiming his freedom that he had declared that you know he who the Son sets free is free indeed, and so by by having that knowledge of who Jesus is and, and being one sent by him, um, they had the authority. He gave them the authority. There's actually um, kind of the process of thought um, in First John three eight. It says that Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, after his resurrection, that all authority had been given to him in heaven and on earth. And then Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 10, 19, that he had given them, given them all authority over the power of the enemy. And so basically, you know, Jesus took the authority, had the authority, and then gave the authority to those who followed him. So um, by accepting Jesus into their lives, by you know, following him, they had the, the authority that he was given. 
And so basically the, the sons of Sceva um, were claiming knowledge of that authority, but they didn't actually have the authority because they, did, they didn't know or have that relationship or understand it fully. Yeah. So. Also, I, I would just, there's a, an interesting passage in Matthew 16 where um, Jesus is uh, talking to Peter and he asks Peter, um, you know, who do you say I am? And Peter confesses that you are the, you're the Messiah, you're the Lord, you're the Christ, you're the, the, you're the, the hope. And um, he says, that's right. And on the basis of that, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose uh, on earth. So there's authority given to us because of our, our, once we proclaim the name of Jesus, once we say he is the Lord and Savior, the Messiah, um, there is an authority that is given to us the keys of the kingdom, as it says, where we have the ability to fight in the spirit, even though we don't really see what's going on. We, we see with our natural eyes, but there are things in the spirit happening, and we have the ability to bind them or to loose them because of the authority of the name of Jesus. Yeah. There. Yeah, Brenda? Yeah, I mean, that would be, yeah, so God gave Jesus the authority, and then Jesus provides that access to um, God's authority as well. Yeah. So is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, through the cross. Yeah. Okay. Any other? Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of like Pastor Skip shared the, you know, the, it says, like, through his blood, we were washed white as snow. Um, so it's the cleansing aspect of what his blood did. So it, basically, his, his blood was spilled on our behalf as a, as a sin offering. Um, so in the same way that, I guess, that had a cleansing effect for the, the Jews back in the, the ancient traditions, this, the same thing is done for us. So they put, put, pray the blood of Jesus as a, as a cleanser. Um, and then also acknowledging all that he did on the cross. Well, there's, there's a verse in Revelation, um, I think it's Revelation 12 maybe, um, that says, um, it talks about the devil and it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of, his, of your testimony. And so I think that's where they get from that scripture, that is why they, they say think that, they, they plead the blood of Jesus over things. It comes from that scripture. Because you can overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And so there's a literal interpretation there. So people plead the blood of Jesus over things. It's one, yeah, it's one yeah. of those things that's been used so much that it becomes a cliche that we yeah. don't really know the history of, or we don't yeah. really think about the, the words behind, but ultimately it's the cross. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, go ahead and Thias and Catherine. I'm sorry? I got a question that's not really specific. Uh, sure. Catherine, was yours on the same topic ish? Well, I just want to ask 
<laughs> okay, so we'll come back. Which the the blood of the blood of the lamb? Um, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I I don't think we're getting the question. Can you rephrase it? Yeah, it, I mean, it could be a, a tool of sorts. Like, I mean, saying like I, what Jesus did. Um, so in, in his victory, I, I claim or I pray the blood over the situation um, in applying truth. Um, saying those words necessarily isn't like some kind of incantation that causes something to happen. Um, but again, it's, it's ultimately saying because of the authority that I have as a follower of Jesus because of the cross, um, you know, I'm praying the blood over this situation. So I apply truth to it. I reject that falsehood. Um, so it's, it's more of an application of a concept, and so it's kind of a... Yeah. So it's basically yeah. asking, yeah, that... that yeah, I think when it becomes a rote um, sort of saying that's, that doesn't, if you don't understand the meaning behind it, it doesn't have a lot of, of life. It has to flow out of your understanding of what Jesus did on the cross and that the fact that we have victory through the blood of the Lamb. And so if, if, you, if you understand that you're saying, you know, because of what Jesus did, I have power and victory in this, um, and that's what you're saying in your head as you plead the blood of Jesus over something, then yeah, there's some legitimacy to it. But I, don't, I think we can get rote in any prayer. Um, and, and just say things. Yeah, Carlos, quickly. I think it's um, too deep. I know Sam was talking about you really have two kinds of defensiveness or thinking defensively. Mm. One is defensive in the terms of being proactive or right. preventative, and then there is defense in an I'm attacked at this moment. Sure. Yeah, good. And then, hey, Matthias, did you? Yeah, the demon possessed boy. Yep. Yes. It's. I mean, I mean, why don't why don't people read the Bible every day? You know, I mean, so it's something that people should do, and in, in, in a lot of I mean, there are disciplines that do it um, more. Yeah. Um, and I, there's, I mean, there's many of us on staff that do it on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, it's a good tool. It's, a, it's one of many, yeah. Cause it's it, a form of prayer. Because if so. fasting, basically, like, it's denying the flesh, it's, it's acknowledging that God, you know, basically, just as Jesus quoted, like, we do not live on bread alone. It's an opportunity to, to feast in the Lord instead of feasting with our bodies. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of benefit to it in connecting with um, the Holy Spirit and with, with God. Um, so as a discipline and as building kind of defensive system, however you want to look at it, it's an, it's an opportunity to basically just have that, that time with God and set aside additional time in, in, in addition to what you're doing on a regular basis every day and just spend that qu extra quality time with God. Okay, we just have a few minutes left. So there's one more passage I want to look at 
You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it for you for the sake of time. It's in 2 Kings 6. Um, it says, The king of Aram was at war with Israel, and he would confer with his officers and say, Let's mobilize our forces at such and such a place. And immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, Don't go near this such and such a place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. The king of Israel would send word to the, the place indicated, and then time and again, Elisha warned the king so that um, they would be alert there. So all the plans of the enemy keep getting thwarted because Elisha seems to have foreknowledge of what's coming. The king of Aram became very upset. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is a traitor? Well, who's been telling the king of Israel all my plans? And they said, it's not us, uh, Lord the king, it's Elisha, that prophet in Israel. He keeps telling the king of Israel the very words you speak in private. And um, he says, go find out where he is uh, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha's at Dothan. That's in Jerusalem. And so one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Of, and this servant, this uh, servant of Elisha's comes to him and he says... Um, he got up early, he went out the next morning, and there's troops and horses and chariots everywhere. And he says to Elisha, says, Sir, what will we do now? Uh, and Elisha says, Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. And Elisha prayed, Open the eyes of this, uh, of this servant and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was covered with horses and chariots of fire. He that is for us is greater than he that is against us. You at any time are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, a multitude of heavenly hosts that are for you. So we've been talking a lot about the enemy and his forces. You've got a lot. You've got a lot of uh, of uh, warriors on your side, and so I don't want anyone to go away from here feeling afraid or discouraged. Jesus won the fight. It's only a matter of time until the final judgment is um, laid out. And our job is really to, um, to be as Christ-like as we can. Again, most spiritual warfare will be won by how you live. And there will be, but, there, but I also want to remind you that there are things going on. This speaks right into what we said. We don't war against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers of darkness, right? But there's also a heavenly host on your side in the spirit. And you need to be encouraged that God is with you and he is for you. And he that is in you is greater than he that is against you. And um, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So remember, the fight really is in the spirit. Okay, Learn how to begin to identify the lies of the enemy. And take those thoughts captive into obedience early on. And one quick thing to interject yeah. to, uh, we have a, a couple uh, things that will be on the back table back there. Um, one is the glossary that Pastor Skip mentioned that will have some right. other terms that we've been talking about. Uh, just for reference, it's in, it talks about like what is Satan, 
the name Satan mean? What does the name Lucifer? I think Lucifer's in there as well. The devil, um, what the kind of history of that terminology, where it comes from, or the word source. Yeah. Um, the other is uh, this activity. It's actually taken from the book The Avenue. It's one of the re recovery ministries that we have here. Um, but it's who you are in Christ Jesus. And it's actually, it's full. It has like 122 or um, 111 verses that just talk about what the Bible, or who the Bible says we are in Christ. Um, there's opportunity if you want to go through and each, you know, each one receive it and put your name in there. So like I, Sam, am lavishly loved by God, 1 John 3, 1. You can go through, look up that scripture and see what it's, where it says that and just receive that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's something that I've actually used at different times once I learned of this resource to basically anytime I was faced with a lie of the enemy, just you know, find a, a verse that is spoken to that and just, just receive the truth and, and speak the truth. Just read it out loud. And uh, um, for me, it's brought a lot of um, confidence and, and freedom as well. So, yeah. um, so if we didn't get to your question, we're certainly, you can certainly ask any of us afterwards. Carlos is in the back, the two of us here. Um, and we'd be happy to answer quest any questions that you have left. I think we covered the, the, the gist of it. I mean, I, I really do feel like just the fact that you understand you're in a war um, is a victory in itself because it, it, there's the old analogy of the, you know, the devil one soldier and the, the angel on the other or whatever. And which, well, whoever you feed more is going to win, right? Um, and so the more we feed our spirit, the more we read the word of God, the more we pray, the more we get that in us, the stronger we will be. Uh, in our ability with, to withstand these uh, sort of attacks that will come against us. Jesus said um, in uh, Matthew 16, he said, um, uh, these words I have spoken to you that you may have peace. And in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Okay, Jesus won. So you may have to face some trials, but don't worry about it. The war is won. The victory is ours. Jesus is the victor. Hold on to him, and he will see you through all of your trials. Okay? I'm going to pray, and then you, you can ask a question. So, Chris, yeah. you can just add as far as yeah. um, spiritual warfare that was really helpful to me. Um, and a lot of this I learned going through cleansing and screening, but it's great at identifying the lies. And then a counselor told me, what's good is to write down the lie and Right. 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 Yep. It's good. Yeah. That's how you take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Cast down the arguments and the high things that exalt themselves against the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are victorious, and that you, Lord, uh, uh, at your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. And one day, the in the, in the future, at some point, um, you will ultimately uh, reign victorious and you will not allow any more of this uh, usurping of authority and um, uh, there will be judgment. But until that day, you are patient and gracious so that many can come to know you. And I thank you for that. So, Lord, we continue to, to ask for you to to draw near to us, Lord. We want to draw near to you so that you can be near to us. We want to continue to be able to fight the good fight in the Spirit and teach us how to do that, Lord. I pray for discernment.
for all of us, Lord, because it's in understanding and discerning what's really going on that we begin to uh, identify the lies of the evil one and cast down those, those, those arguments. Uh, we all need wisdom, you said. Anyone lacks wisdom, pray the Lord, and he will give it to you. We all need wisdom to understand what is truth and what is a lie. We, we need you, Lord, to just be the spirit of truth in us that keeps our mind sharp and allows us to fight the good fight early on so that we don't um, have to fall so many times. Lord, I know we're never going to be perfect on this side of eternity, uh, but uh, we want to do better. So help us with that, Lord. Help us to live well. Help us to be virtuous. Help us to contend. Help us to fight even when we feel defeated, to remind ourselves that you are victorious and we are victorious in you and to keep pushing through. And I thank you, Lord, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, uh, but you are always with us. In Jesus' name, amen.